You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. CISA and the FBI warn of extensive Iranian cyber attacks that exploit flaws in widely used VPNs. The U.S. indicts two men for website defacements undertaken for the benefit of Iran and in retribution for the U.S. drone strike that killed Quds Force Commander Soleimani. The U.S. has also indicted seven in a cybercrime and cyber espionage wave conducted in conjunction with Wicked Panda. Ethiopian strifes made worse by social media. Joe Kerrigan describes scammers using fake alerts on websites. Our guest is Kevin Ford, CISO of the state of North Dakota, on their move to offer free anti-malware to all state K-12 institutions. And ByteDance's plans for TikTok grow clearer. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, September 16th, 2020. CISA, the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, has warned in a joint alert issued with the FBI that threat actors based in Iran have increased their exploitation of known vulnerabilities in virtual private networks. VPN use has spiked during the pandemic, and the attackers are taking advantage of the expanded attack surface. Federal agencies are being targeted. So are private sector organizations, mostly in healthcare, technology, financial, insurance, and the media. The attackers are making much use of three web shells, Tiny, China Chopper, and Chunky Tuna, and tunneling tools, FRPC and Chisel, with FRPC used over port 7557. CISA and the FBI note that the Iranian threat actors use NGROC a great deal, and this may appear as TCP port 443 connections to external cloud-based infrastructure. The two agencies offer some advice for mitigating the risk these campaigns present. They come down, for the most part, to sound digital hygiene. If you haven't patched for the Citrix CVE 2019-19781 vulnerability, do so. CISA Alert AA20031A offers some recommendations in this regard. You should also, as a matter of routine, audit your configuration and patch management programs. The agencies also recommend monitoring network traffic for unexpected and unapproved protocols. 
They recommend using multi-factor authentication and implementing the principle of least privilege with respect to data access. And of course, keep software up to date. You can read the whole thing yourself in CISA Alert AA20-259A. The warning came as tensions between the U.S. and Iran remain high. Iran is under unusual public pressure from the recent U.S.-brokered rapprochement of Israel and some of Iran's regional Arab rivals, notably the United Arab Emirates. The U.S. Justice Department yesterday unsealed its indictment of two Iranians in connection with their alleged defacement of websites in response to the U.S. drone strike that killed Iranian General Soleimani during his activities in Baghdad. The two men charged are accused of what would appear to be patriotically motivated cyber vandalism. They began working together in December of last year, but began the defacement campaign that led to the charges after January's drone strike that killed the Quds Force commander outside the Baghdad airport. The two are charged with conspiring to commit intentional damage to a protected computer and with intentionally damaging a protected computer. The first charge carries a sentence of up to five years in prison, three years of supervised release, and a fine of $250,000, or twice the gain or loss, whichever is greater. The second charge provides for a sentence of up to 10 years in prison, three years of supervised release, and a fine of $250,000, or twice the gain of loss, whichever is greater. Joseph R. Bonavolanta, special agent in charge of the FBI Boston Division, pointedly said in the Justice Department press release that the two are now effectively unable to travel outside the Islamic Republic or the Palestinian Authority without risking arrest and extradition. Denial of free travel is one of the costs commonly imposed on criminal hackers outside the reach of the U.S. government, even when they're the sort of low-level talent involved here. Such imposition of costs may also be seen in a second U.S. federal indictment of seven people on charges of international cybercrime announced this morning. Two defendants have been arrested in Malaysia, and the remaining five remain at large in China. The seven are alleged to have stolen source code, software code signing certificates, customer account data, and what the Justice Department characterizes as valuable business information. The intrusions through which the theft was accomplished facilitated other criminal activity as well, particularly ransomware and cryptojacking. Two of the seven are charged with 25 counts of conspiracy, wire fraud, aggravated identity theft, money laundering, and violations of the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. They targeted companies, but they also had a side hustle going in the form of a video game conspiracy in which they stole and resold in-game currencies and commodities. They also sought to get the gaming companies to ban various criminal competitors. The remaining three Chinese nationals face nine counts of racketeering conspiracy, conspiracy to violate the CFAA, substantial violations of the CFAA, access device fraud, identity theft, aggravated identity theft, and money laundering. The alleged racketeering conspiracy pertains to their operation of Chengdu 404 Network Technology, Chinese company through which they engaged in a range of racketeering that affected more than 100 companies. At least one of the individuals under indictment is said to have boasted of his connections with Chinese security and intelligence services. Indeed, the activity seems to have some connection with APT-41, also known as Wicked Panda, and some of the targets were government networks where the defendants appear to have been collecting intelligence. 
So the activity would indicate that China's government is willing to let its contractors make some money on the side as long as their activities benefit Beijing. Vice describes the way in which Facebook has apparently figured in Ethiopia's growing ethnic violence. The strife has been centered in the region of Omoria, where intergroup tensions have found expression and amplification in social media. And finally, ByteDance's deal with Oracle has grown clearer. According to the Wall Street Journal, TikTok's American operations will be incorporated as a U.S. company, with Oracle holding a significant but still minority stake in the new company. ByteDance will retain majority ownership. The Washington Post thinks the reorganization is likely to meet with U.S. regulatory approval. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. The state of North Dakota quietly flies under the radar when it comes to cybersecurity policy, but they recently implemented a plan for a statewide offering of anti-malware software and services for every K-12 organization in the state. Kevin Ford is Chief Information Security Officer for the state of North Dakota, and he joins us with the case for why the move deserves attention. The state of North Dakota has a statewide network that all public organizations are required by law to be on. Um, That includes K-12, but it also includes cities, counties, um, as well as the state government. So we have a very, very large user pool here. Um, It's all commingled. It's about 250,000 devices at any one given time. Um, So we have a a pretty large um, task on our hands keeping that all secure. K-12 happens to be our largest user group, 
Um, and it's a, a user group that we feel uh, really needs to be protected, uh, particularly during this time when teleworking and virtual learning are uh, so key to the state. Um, so with that in mind, uh, the state has decided to provide free security services to K-12 organizations. Um, that includes a, a very uh, robust and uh, feature-rich anti-malware, uh, next-generation anti-malware um, that has a very, very strong capability um, against uh, modern types of ransomware. Uh, it also includes vulnerability management as well as breach monitoring. And what has the response been so far? Are they are they welcoming this effort? The majority of K-12 organizations have been very welcoming of this. Um, uh, first off, I think it hits the right price point uh, free. Um, so that's always great for everyone. <laughs> um, and and, right. and we're very pleased to be able to offer it for free. Um, I should say we, we had to do a lot of kind of financial acrobatics to get this done. Um, but I think we're in a, we're in a good spot. Um, so, you know, our key mission is to uh, reduce risk for every citizen in North Dakota. And I think this is a, a big road forward in, in that regard. What went on, uh, you know, behind the scenes from the, the value proposition side of things is, as you all were making the case to, uh, you know, the various stakeholders at the state level that this is a good thing to invest in. So I think one of the most important things that we were able to do was, was make officials understand or help them understand that, and it's an old maxim, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? So this is and should be seen, and I believe is seen by the majority of leaders within the state as a key um, method of reducing risk and thereby reducing the expense around cybersecurity events uh, for the state. So this is this is one way that the state is trying to kind of prevent that sort of ransomware attack or or, or these other risks that can be so expensive. Um, and when you compare the cost of doing this versus the cost of these ransomware events and these these large malware outbreaks, it seems to be a no-brainer. Um, we're really saving a lot of money. Uh, for K-12 organizations within the state. And, and if you take the state as a whole, we're saving a lot of money for the state as a whole. That's Kevin Ford. He's Chief Information Security Officer for the state of North Dakota. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute and also my co-host on the Hacking Humans podcast. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. 
Uh, interesting article came by. This is from the folks over at Sophos. So this is written by Sean Gallagher, mm-hmm. and it's titled Faking It, The Thriving Business of Fake Alert Web Scams. Yes. I have seen these myself. What's going on here, Joe? Uh, well, this is a uh, an analysis of the business behind this and how this whole thing works and how it's kind of evolving. Yeah. Uh, basically, the underlying method that this works with is with an advertising network uh, that injects these malicious ads into a web a website. And these ads pop up and they use techniques like uh, uh, cascading style sheets and JavaScript to make these pop-ups look really, really convincing. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of times they will look like a Windows interface or like an Apple interface, and it, they will lead you to some path where you are separated from your money. That's, that's how this works. So yeah. uh, the classic one we've all seen and heard about is the tech support scam. You have a virus on your computer, please call this number. And then you call the number and uh, someone there says, well, we'll sign you up for some, some virus, um, virus software that costs $500 a year and you'll be A-OK, right? right. <laughs> um, well, now yeah. we're seeing this more, uh, what Sean's talking about here is you're seeing this more on the mobile platforms as well. Uh, yeah. One of We've talked about this as well on Hacking Humans and, and I believe on this show, one of the big problems with the mobile platform is that the, the screen real estate is really limited. So mm-hmm. you may not have as much of a clue that you're looking at a web page or you may not uh, be able to notice the smaller alerts that say, hey, this is not a secure web page. Uh, additionally, one of the things that they're doing on the mobile application is they're saying, just go to the store, the the, the Apple store, the Google Play store, and uh, download this app that will take care of it. And of course, that's what they call a PUA, a potentially unwanted application. And hmm. it can be something that we've talked about before as well called Fleeceware, which is a piece of software that will cost you an exorbitantly large amount of uh, money to use every month. And in order to cancel it, you have to go into your uh, store account, either the Apple App Store account or your Google Play account, and cancel it. Um, and you can get your money back, but a lot of people don't do that. And these guys make uh, make bank on this. Right, right. One of the things I've noticed about some of these pop-ups is uh, they refer to it in the article as browser lock attacks, which is when one of these pops up, you can't do anything else in the browser, even in other tabs, before you... Uh, you know, get rid of this alert or do right. something in this alert. Well, uh, the, what happens is the the JavaScript is written such that when you close the the alert, it immediately reopens it, which then assumes control of the tab uh, again. Now, they did say that on Safari, you can open another tab and then close the original tab or go to the tabs interface and close close the tab so it goes away. And mm. I think you can do that on uh, Chrome on, on Android as well. I'm not sure. I haven't received one of these on my mobile app recently. So yeah, you can't you can't close them, but if you're if you're not a sophisticated user, it's it's difficult to close. The the best thing you can also do you can just close the application, uh, yeah. and then when you open the browser again, it starts with a new fresh page. So you can do that. I'm not sure how it works in Apple. One of the interesting things that Sean mentioned in this article, and this this hadn't ever occurred to me before, uh, is that. If you're on a PC and you get one of these attacks and they start they install uh, this fraudulent software or this malware that they're selling as legitimate, in some cases that they were investigating, they found uh, that the computer's victim becomes an exit node for a peer-to-peer VPN service, hmm. which then allows the scammers to use that computer and the victim's internet connection for further scams. <laughs> so not only are you being victimized, but your your machine is then being utilized to victimize others. Wow. 
What are the recommendations here to to uh, to put an end to these sorts of things? Is there anything you can do to prevent them? Yeah, Sean lists a number of those preventions. He says uh, on the desktop, at least, you can use a pop-up blocker that will provide some protection, but it might not protect against the pop-under advertisements. Mm. Uh, there are tracker blockers such as the Electronic Frontier Foundation's Privacy Badger that can suppress trackers from malvertising networks and prevent pop-unders from being loaded. Uh, there's reputation-based blocks and malware protection uh, that can also block any of these sites. You know, so when you go to the site, you're actually alerted, hey, this is a, a scam site. But the problem is if all this is new and fresh and nobody else has hit it and you're, you're, you're being victimized by this attack within the first couple of hours of, of a campaign, the, you're going to be your only line of defense. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to come down to you as it, as it usually does. So uh, just close the app if you, can't, if you can't do anything else. But never install software that's, that's advertised on a, on a pop-up. Never click on a website and never allow a phone call to go through or never make a phone call from, from one of these sites. They're all yeah. they're always scams. They're all Microsoft will never call you. Microsoft doesn't reach out to you this way. Apple doesn't reach out to you this way. Uh, Google doesn't reach out to you this way. Right, right, right. All right. Well, Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure, Dave. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time, keep you informed, and it leaps tall buildings in a single bound. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Harold Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.